Contemplative Trucker Podcast, Episode 19, recording on June 1st, 2021, from Las Vegas. Still in Las Vegas. I'm not going to go on and on about it because I think I alienated half my audience, half my small audience uh, with the last episode. Just going to give a brief update. I do want to reply to Plaid Jacket Philosopher, which is a uh, another small podcast that I thoroughly enjoy. And he was talking about channeling. I'm going to totally butcher um, how he worded it because it's been more than 15 days since I listened to it. But he he talked about channeling your male energy, but be kind in doing so. And I have some some afterthoughts on that. And we're going to talk about Thomas Sowell. Thomas Sowell. Used to listen to him in college. Dude's 90 years old and still delving out the knowledge. And I think, even though it's just me and my iPhone, I might have figured out to get a couple of clips. So it's going to be a short episode full of thoughtful takeaways, I hope. And we're going to get back on track after the last episode. Here we go. So day 15, I'm in Vegas. I've moved, upgraded to the Tuscany Hotel, which has a nicer pool. Now that it is 100 and plus degrees every day, the pool is more important. Um, don't want to be here. I appreciate all the the messages of concern. The thing that really makes me angry about this is... Had they set expectations and just slowed down enough to think, okay, let me put this guy in my my feet in this guy's shoes and set some expectations, then I could have gone to visit my brother and my nephews and my niece. I could have flown home, which I would rather... There, there's no place I'd rather be in the summer than Wisconsin. Wisconsin summers are incredible. And I would love to be there right now. I could have flown home instead of uh, spending 15 days and counting here in Vegas. So why didn't I do that? Well, because they keep telling me it's going to be ready in two days. And the part's going to be here tomorrow. The part's going to be here tomorrow. Oh, we need a different part. And so on and so forth. And so last week I... uh, amped up my my concern the manager said we are going to get this thing fixed on friday i mean he's telling me this as i'm checking out of the hotel um so i checked out of the hotel spent friday at the dealership still not fixed spent the night in my truck at the dealership which is not you know really that pleasant in this heat uh, spent Saturday at the dealership, still not fixed. They need an additional part. Why they didn't anticipate needing that part is a mystery to me because it just seems like common sense. 
but uh, that's the status we're in. It's, 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 you know, it's comical. It's inexcusable. So I once broke down in the Yukon. The Yukon Territory is the bush. It's remote. There's like 30,000 people in the entire territory. And I once broke down in that area and limped into a fishing village. And it was a great adventure to get the truck from the fishing village to Whitehorse, the the main city there in Yukon, and had parts flown up from Vancouver, British Columbia, to, to repair my truck. So that sort of set the standard on what a delay should be. And there's no excuse for Las Vegas, Nevada, potentially breaking that record. It's just incompetence. So that's kind of the status of what's going on. And like I say, so I was handling it well up until Friday. And I'm not handling it well now. So yesterday I didn't get to go for a walk. It's too, it's, you know, I was, to keep my sanity, I was uh, walking just an incredible amount. Well, now it's kind of too hot to walk that far during the day. And I'm just not handling it well. Because if you think about it, like, if your car broke... If your car, if you were riding down the road and your car, I mean, your car would have to be totaled to equal the repairs that cost of this, but not from a wreck, just it just broke. So you're responsible for it. So you've got to buy a new car and you're stuck in Vegas. So you have to pay for a Vegas vacation, unplanned Vegas vacation, and you're not earning any income while you're here you know how much of a financial shock would that be and how stressful would that be well that's what i've been living and uh handled it pretty well for the first you know 10 days and lately have not been handling it as well it's just i'm just sick of it and um can feel the money bleeding out talk to any truck driver and they have stories of breakdowns like this being the end of people's career but there's no excuse for las vegas being a worse situation than the yukon there's no excuse so uh that's sort of what i'm dealing with so i appreciate all the the comment the 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 concern and the and the warm thoughts and the prayers and I will be sure to add a follow up to this post when I'm back on the road which hopefully will be any day so there's a podcast I like called the plaid jacket philosopher and I have predicted that we're going to have a crossover audience eventually if I ever grow my audience and I do not know what plaid jacket the plaid jacket philosopher has I'm still dying to know whether it's Woolrich or Filson or what but he he recorded a really good episode uh, recently where he was and I'm, I'm not going to paraphrase well but he was he was saying it's important to take your aggressive male energy and point it in a constructive direction. 
and do it in a kind way. And I completely agree with the, with his thoughts as he expressed it there. Um, I know one, one of my friends who's now been a longtime professor at uh, at the University of Denver is, uh, I remember in school teaching me, like I would budget time for myself. Okay, I have a project that's going to take five hours, so I'm going to spend an hour each day for the next five days to do this project. And and that was a stupid idea because until I got, until the deadline was looming and I was pissed off at myself for not already doing more work on it than I should have done. Uh, until I sort of got pissed off at myself, that's when I'm in the zone and I'm, am, I'm my most constructive. And my whole life I've played this game with myself where the smart thing to do is to budget an equal amount of time for a project and so, so the that you're not rushed at the end. But my most productive time when I'm in the zone is when that deadline is looming at the end. And so his, his, his thoughts were really well received to sort of take that energy and, and point it in a, a constructive direction. The only caveat I would say is he was using the term kind. And he's in British Columbia, I believe, not sure exactly where. But here in the United States, be kind has is one of these terms that's been hijacked. So now it has connotations other than just, just as he described in his excellent episode. It's kind of like progressive. So, like, who's not for progress? I mean, everybody wants progress, but the term progressive has been hijacked. So you're not progressive if you don't agree with somebody's certain political point of view. Well, be kind. Anytime there's a strategic decision to be made and you and you question. There's a there's a success formula that's used in business. So event plus response equals outcome. So there's an event, in my case, the truck broke down. I can't control that at this point. It's already broken. My response is the only thing I have influence over or control over. And so I need to focus on a smart response to get the outcome I want. And that's been phrased a million different ways over the years. Uh, Sun Tzu said tactics without strategy is the noise before defeat <laughs> so in other words um having not a smart response is the noise before defeat and and you see that that's kind of a common thing to see people get fired up over something and they feel like hey we need to be doing something well it's important to count to 10 Turn off your emotions. Make smart decisions in that moment where you decide your response. And this sounds logical, but if you point out this point of view to a certain segment 
here in the United States at least, the reply will be, be kind. Be kind. Like, hey, is it really smart to do that? Because that seems like we're spinning our wheels and not necessarily going to lead to the result we want. Uh, Bo, be kind. Uh, is wearing uh, chin diapers really helping slow the spread of the virus? Be kind, Bo. Be kind. So that's the type of shit that is going on uh, down here. And so, you know, the classic example of a loaded question is, have you stopped beating your wife? Which there's no right way to answer that because it's going to, it's a loaded question. It's going to make it look like you're beating your wife. Well, the whole be kind in your face thing is loaded with, you know, trying to think of what impactful actions will actually deliver results is the the inf- the insinuation there is obviously that asking those questions is not kind uh to use the the fat girl analogy that I'm the fat girl in the dress analogy so if you're in the store with a woman who's trying to find the fabulous dress and she says, do I look fat in this? I, I maintain that you're a bad friend. If, if you say, yes, it looks great, she's going to feel good about herself. So the immediate result will be good. She's happy. You're happy. You get to get out of the store. But the long-term results aren't good because she's going to wear that in public and she's not going to look as good as she should. And in that moment, a good friend would tactfully give honest advice and you would try to find a dress that she's actually going to look fabulous in later. So I would would argue that that is the actual kind thing to do. Find her a dress that she looks great in when she goes to whatever her event is versus do the the immediate gratification thing without, without thinking of the downstream results. So anyway, uh, so that would be like the finer point I would put on plaid jacket philosophers episode is that I think it's important when you're channeling your, your energy to be considerate, to be respectful of everybody who is affected by the decisions and actions or inactions you take. So considerate and respectful, but uh, unfortunately, the the kind thing is being poisoned, at least down here, and it's probably coming your way, Canada, if it's not there yet. So it's day 15 of my banishment to Sin City. And I have not turned on the TV a single time. Not one single time. I watched a documentary on my iPad uh, called Halston, about the clothing brand Halston, which, uh, which, I mean, I could do a whole segment on that, but I want. It was very, very interesting. Lots of imagery from 
my childhood that I think I had no awareness of what was going on. And it, I don't know, it's kind of trippy to watch that. There's also a mini series on Netflix that I have not watched, but I think seeing the actual footage and the actual man uh, was more interesting to me, but we'll see if I ever watch the Netflix series. Anyway, I'm digressing right off the bat. So just to give you like a sense of me, I've been here for 15 days. I haven't turned on the TV. So I read some um, and I poke around the internet and that's what I do. So sometimes I'll say things that people are like, yeah, Bo, like, where have you been? Everybody knows that. Well, it's because I don't really pay attention to mainstream media. I mean, when I'm riding my truck, I'm listening to Spotify or I'm listening to podcasts or audiobooks. So I'm really not listening to up-to-the-minute news. So uh, anyway, I stumbled across Thomas Sowell uh, this week. He, he, there's a new book coming out coming out about him i think it's called the maverick uh and and somehow there was a link in an article about that book to an interview he did 10 years ago so he was 80 when he did this interview and i just uh, the the quote really really struck stuck with me so i want to share it with you and so here we go we're going to see if i can figure out using my iphone how to take a snippet of audio from YouTube and share it with you via podcast. Let's see if my technical skills can handle it. So on the scale of optimistic John Adams to pessimistic Henry Rosofsky, where's Tom Sowell? Well, I'm right there with Henry Rosofsky, or perhaps a little to his right. Oh, come on, you, I want to, you were supposed to say you're right in the middle. You're way over here. <laughs> Really? Yeah, I, th I think that uh, we're raising whole generations uh, who, 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 who regard facts as more or less optional. Um, you have kids in, the, in, the, in elementary school who are being urged to take stands on political issues, to write letters to congressmen and presidents about nuclear energy. You know, you know they're not, even, not a decade old. And they're, and they're being thrown these kinds of questions that could uh, absorb the lifetime of a very brilliant and learned man. Uh, and they're, and they're, they're being taught that it's important to have views, and they're not being taught that it's important to know what you're talking about. It's important to hear the opposite viewpoint, and more important, to learn how to distinguish whether, why viewpoint A and viewpoint B are different and which one has the most evidence or logic behind it. They disregard that. They hear something, and they hear some rhetoric, and they run with it. How incredible is that quote? I have, th that snippet, I have been thinking about this so much over the past 18 months or so that and I just have not had the words to express sort of what I was thinking. And, and of course, he's brilliant and he just did it so well. Uh, I wanted to share. Before I forget, that came, that snippet came from 
a podcast or a show called Uncommon Knowledge. It can be found at UNC Knowledge. I believe the host is named Peter Robinson. That's the only time I've ever heard of it, so I'm really not that familiar with with that show. Um, but uh, I will certainly link it in the show notes, and um, and I hope that they're okay with us using that snippet that's sl- slightly longer than what is customary for critique uh, purposes. Anyway, that quote just wowed me so much. It is it it does the soul good to think, aha, somebody else thinks the same thing. I'm not the only one that has noticed this insanity. And, of course, I just don't have the ability to express it as well as he. Let me tell you something. It takes balls to say, to stand before the world and say what you think is true, regardless of how popular it is. And Thomas Sowell has been doing that for 90 years, 91 years later this month, or I don't know when he, you know, first started talking, but you're talking about a guy raised in Harlem, Marine, and has had a brilliant academic uh, career as well, and there's no telling how many books he's written, Um, but I used to go to the school library when I was in college, and (laughs) Milton Friedman had this uh, series. I don't know when the the NPR series came out. I would guess around 1980. And uh, and I would watch VHS tapes of this free-to-choose series that Milton Friedman had, but Thomas Sowell was one of the, uh, one of the panelists. In fact, let's see if I can find a clip <laughs> from that show that I used to listen to 30 years ago. This or that, black people have never taken a position that you describe. So it is not a question of what black people chose to do. It's what you you choose to put in the mouths of black people. It is what you choose to, to project. It is not what any black people have ever said anywhere that you can put your it's finger on. It's what you on. choose to put into the mouth of the pollsters, as far as I can see. I put Look at the leadership the of the black community. Like most people, I have never seen a pollster. If you look at the leadership <laughs> of the black What a tremendous smackdown Dr. Sowell just put on that smug academic. And I don't even think it's important which academic it was. But uh, that was, you know, geez, that was from 50 years ago. 40 years ago. Over 40 years ago. So he has been just a badass for a long time. Um and what he was saying, I think about that all the time because pollsters are so, the, the world is run by polls, yet I've never seen a pollster. And that snippet came from a series called Free to Choose that Milton Friedman did. He, Free to Choose, I believe, is one of his more, more famous books. And so that was probably an NPR series um, based off the books. And I just remember that so much. And what the books and the series go on to describe is that in a free world, if you want to wear a blue shirt, 
and I want to wear a white shirt, then you wear a blue shirt and I wear a white shirt. But if it goes through the government and they vote on how the resources are going to be distributed and the majority of people vote blue, then everybody who wants to wear a white shirt is shit out of luck. And so I remember we were studying this 30 years ago and you know, every few years you see the farmers riot in France and why are they fr- why are they so up in arms and out in the streets rioting over because the government decides it's going to subsidize grapes more this year instead of you know, beef or whatever. And it's because the the government's allocation of resources affects their personal lives. And um, and in school, we would, we would at, in that show, Free to Choose, and in school, we discuss the more money that's, as the federal government continues to control more resources and continues to grow, we're going to see more rioting in this country, just like in other countries. And sure enough, here we are, there have been riots on the Capitol, and a lot of people that were rioting there had lost their family businesses. Um because of lockdown efforts and the, obviously there was the there were the black lives matter riots as well and there's going to be more of this going forward the the less people are free the less immediate control they have over their own lives and the more in, independent uh, more dependent they are on the votes of out-of-touch people in Washington, D.C., the more rioting there's going to be, and it's just simple as that. So anyway, those are two tremendous quotes from just an amazing person, 91 years old, still sharp as a tack, and I thought I would share it with you today. And we'll call it wraps for this episode. Look forward to your comments. And I will let everyone know when I'm back on the road and can hopefully soon I will be driving through beautiful territory looking at moose and bears and waterfowl. And that's much more fun to talk about than this stuff.